Australia's Best Entertainment Podcast 2022, as awarded by the Australian Podcast Awards. That's us. Awarded just a few days ago, it is still sinking in. I'll have more to say about it in a full episode that appears on the website. But this particular episode is a feed exclusive for those that are subscribing or are listening via the Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify. You'll find it there. It's a chat with Ray Martin, the respected Australian journalist, TV presenter, comic sidekick for a TV series done by Dan Illick and co, and also a photographer and author. This conversation was had between the book signings at the Dimmix, I believe it was, at Burnside Village in Glenside, and then another book signing in Mitcham. You'll hear us hopping into, or maybe not hear us, but you'll hear a difference in the audio where we're then in the taxi. This is Ray Martin. Let's dive into the archives. Well, he's one of television's favourites, but when it comes to music, what does this man know? Well, after 10,000 interviews under his belt, which is about 10 times more than I've ever done, Ray Martin, welcome. Thanks, John. Very much, Steve. Let's talk about music, because we could talk about journalism, politics, and the state of the world. Photography. Photography. I love (laughs) photography. We should talk about photography. In fact, let's start with photography. Okay, good. Tony Mott. I think he's... um to stand out in photography is uh, is really everyone's got a camera these days. Everyone a digital camera. Everyone thinks they're good. Um, to stand out is 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 uh, exceptional, and uh, and he's exceptional. I mean, the style of stuff. There are a couple. Of, there's Tony. There's Ken Duncan. Um, there's um, Bill. Uh, Not Bill Henson. Yeah, Bill Henson. Okay, um, I, I was talking about music photography. Um, those who like someone like Mott who can just uh, you know get the inside with with bands and with and, and with individuals yeah. is um, uh, as they've done from the Rolling Stones and that sort of stuff. It's um, it's it's whatever it is that you know a, a tra- that allows musos to open the door to them and Tony um, and then get the sort of pictures he gets is uh, is special. And that's, that's he is special. I mean, he's number one, isn't he? Enamic photos, photos that just stand out. Of course, I'm thinking Alan Ginsberg, but for you, uh, as a Dylan Tragic, there's been some great photos of that man over the years. Have some of his photos spoken louder than some of his songs, or have the songs always been Dylan's strength? Uh, the songs are the strength. Um, and the, but the photos are the same as Elvis, or the same as Sinatra. Um, I was in New York a few years back, and there was a Sinatra photographic exhibition on at, the, uh, at one of the, the photo centres, and, uh, and they were just beautiful, brilliant photos that told as much about the man as the songs. And I think Dylan's done the same. Dylan's been, he's, you know, a, an early Madonna in the sense that he's, um, he's orchestrated his own image um, and photographers have gone along on the journey with him. And there were times there from, you know, the, the, the crinklehead kid in, in the Lower East Side of Manhattan um, to, um, you know, to becoming this, this cool dude of a, this, you know, late 60s. So, but I think he's, uh, they're not accidental people. He's, he's uh, been as instrumental in that as, as Madonna has her image. Speaking of Madonna, you have interviewed Madonna, and Madonna, as you rightly ask in this book regarding Letterman, and she gives the right answer on that, can be a bit testy at times. You got her on a good day. I did. A very good day. Yeah. Was there some nerves beforehand? Yeah, a lot of nerves. A lot yeah. of nerves. We, we, it was a one-hour special we were doing. Um, she had um, brought out one of the double albums at that time, and she agreed to let us do the interview at the house up in the Hollywood Hills. Now, she'd never had a crew there before, and we didn't quite know why. Um, I think probably if it was Warner Brothers, I think, in Australia, who had whoever had, somehow they convinced her that she should talk to us and accept us. And she lived in uh, the, the Budsy, uh, Bugsy Malone house up there in the village, up in the, in the hills. And um, it, she'd painted it a, a sort of a, 
Tuscany colours, Tuscan colours up there, and the locals had all got the shits with that, and they'd got very upset by, by the fact that she'd uh, she destroyed the sort of Californian colours. But that's part of the character, and also part of her tweaking of noses. So it, the Bugsy Malone lift in her in this um, house was a one-person lift. It was it had velvet walls, and uh, and so we had to carry all this gear up in the one-person lift in these velvet walls. And uh, it had been velvet the days of, of the Prohibition and Bugsy, um, and she loved it. And uh, she had uh, Diego Rivera paintings all around the place. She collects these Mexican communist paintings that are, are priceless these days, and there must have been tens of millions of dollars worth of paintings around there. She probably had 30 or 40 of his and his wife's on the wall. Um, and uh, so she took us around with great um, pride and showed us all these photographs. And then we sat down for the interview and she got herself, she wanted to sit on a throne. It was a wooden throne, um, a large chair, not a throne, but it looked like the Queen imagine the, in the throne when we got there. And I had a, a lesser chair and a, at a lesser height, so she was looking down on me. Um, as close as you and I are, John, together almost. But she was, um, without being beautiful, she, her, she's compelling. Um, she's very positive. She's an alpha female almost. And, um, and really intelligent and smart. The comments, when I read the transcript back of the interview and we played with the interview, um, I thought, wow, gee, well, clever. You know, she's, a, she's not accidentally a hero, a music hero. She, you know, she's deliberate. And, uh, and I think she's as much as Elvis or Michael Jackson. Um, and I think, way, for me, way beyond. Lady Gaga in terms of, of having established this persona which was not quite as as uh, outrageous as Lady Gaga's but but uh, she ranged over topics and uh, not only her own life but uh, but sort of politics um, that were really impressive. We could talk regarding the Lady Gaga setting up of image but I want to ask this question because one of my favourite moments one of the most uh, endearing moments of television with a musician I've seen you do is with none other than a woman who did have trouble conceiving a child and going through with the birth, Lily Allen. She was really crooked the day we did the interview uh, for 60 Minutes and we had about... They'd, given us about half an hour we finished up with about two hours with her but uh, beautiful television mate. yeah no, I really liked her I mean I, I the music I could take or leave when I first uh, heard it and listened to it for the interview and she came in and she had this a flu it wasn't just a cold it was a flu and uh, and there had been some uh, talk from her from the record company that she just wouldn't be able to make it it sounded like another you know another rock star opting out of an interview after a late night but um, she was just you know she was almost uh, bleeding uh, with pain from this uh, from the flu that she had and yet she got made up and uh, and, and sparkled and, and went to work and I think that was um, so the interview we got was a little more um, a little a, a little softer I think she wasn't quite as aggro as I thought she was going to be um, and she was she was again intelligent I mean just the thing about the thing about the the good good people in music or in films, um, the rule is that they're usually easy to talk to. If you've, in my experience, if you respect them and if you uh, if you do everything and arrive on time, and if they're coming to the studio, you make sure that the car arrives and they get the the Perrier water they want or whatever it is the the little dabbles that they want. But she was, um, I, I really liked her. I, I was surprised. I sort of walked out. The interview itself was probably half an hour, and she spent time beforehand and afterwards with us. Um, and I was fearing the worst. I thought, you know. I doubt we can get a, a 60 minute story out of such a short, brief encounter. But uh, but she was good, she was really good. You've got the new book out, which is called Favourites. There is some musicians in there, and some that are more actors than musicians. I'm gonna ask the question. Danielle Spencer is on the verge, they're saying this morning, of getting back on the musical horse. What do you think of her music? 
I love her music. I, I like her music, and I love it. Um, I think she's really talented. I think part of the problem she knew, and I suspect Russell knew, mm. that when they were getting, getting hitched, um, that she might have to try and get out of his shadow. But like Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise when they first married, that there's a danger that she was going to be sort of uh, almost uh, blitzed by the, by his um, fame. <laughs> she wasn't. Nicole wasn't. Danielle may have been, but I mean she's always had a couple of babies, and uh, and that's a, a bit of a distraction. I think she's really talented. Uh, Father John um, was is, is a talented muse as well. I think she's um, she writes and sings um, with uh, with real flair, and I think you know you'd love to think at this stage in a sort of second phase of her life that she can uh, she can sort of achieve uh, the promise. So in the book, lucky enough to have an interview with none other than Danielle Spencer's hubby. But let's talk about Foot of Grunt. Can you actually listen to the record? I could. Uh, in fact, we were going to go. Uh, he sent it to me first before it was released, and uh, he was in France at the time doing a film, and uh, so we were going to France to do a special with him. So I really had to listen to it. It ain't my kind of music, and uh, uh, I think Russell's um, music skills are. Uh, go on, say it. He's a better actor than he is a singer. Um, let's say that. Um, but nevertheless, he's um, he's also a superior, you know, and I mean this uh, with with affection. Um, he's a he's a highly intelligent bloke, and he does um, things you know better than most. So he, and also he, rates himself better than most. Um, that that um, and I and I kind of like. And you know, Don Bradman didn't apologise for his uh, skills, and and uh, Russell doesn't apologise for his own skills and his intelligence. So um, he see something in the music that I don't see, but, um, but that's all right. He's, um, he's a great actor and, uh, and he likes music, so good on him. And I think the other thing is he, he gets the right people on the recording, so he wouldn't have put something half-baked out. So no, no. Whatever no. you think of it. Yeah. Now, as I say, I, I don't... Um, it's not my music, and yet I, of the album that he had there, probably the three tracks that I play in the car regularly, and that's that's pretty good. And uh, and as well as that, he's um, he, he's not doing it for the fame he's doing because he likes it he loves it and uh, and uh, he likes to and he he's like likes to stretch himself so i think that stretches it and i think that's um you know uh, as i say it's it uh, there's plenty of classical music i don't like either but uh, but it's regarded as the best in the world so you know who's to judge a very personal thing obviously classical music what is it with classical music for you is it a headspace yeah. connection or yeah. is it an app where does it fit in it, it's it's odd. Um, I did a piece for a classical music magazine recently, just and on this. And I don't. I did music at school and uh, didn't love it. I preferred art, and uh, and I listen to classical music now only when I'm writing, and when I'm in, if I'm in the car or if I'm on a plane on a long trip. If I'm doing a 60 minutes trip somewhere, I'll put often put classical music on. And after a couple of glasses of wine, and I'm sitting back reading or just sitting back dreaming, um, it seems to fit 40,000 feet in the sky. Um, and the same as if I'm driving through the bush. I may well put John Denver on loud um, if I'm in the car on my own with the windows down. And I'll do the same with, with Rachmaninoff and I'll, and I'll, or Chopin. And I'll do it and I, and I love it. And I've done a lot of stuff with, uh, with classical musicians over the years, um, with Midday and other programs. And, uh, and I, so I, I don't pretend that I... Uh, that I'm knowledgeable. Um, I know what I like, and I tend to like things that are more melodic than challenging and provocative in terms of classical music. But I, um, but I, I, you know, I sincerely do. I sit, and my family will will attest to this that um, that I'll turn the music on loud, and I'll um, and I'll write, and and I'll go back and put the same CD on, and again and again and again. So I kind of like the repetition. More challenging than classical music. What could that be? 
I guess rap and in some and some um, you know even as you said Russell Russell Crowe stuff that um, I am such a singer songwriter. Um, addict, as I said earlier, I like people who write. I like words in music rather than probably more than sound. But like the hilltop woods. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I'm yeah, absolutely. But but I think I like words more than sound, and, and, and uh, that's you know even something like like the Stones or something like the, the those traditional classic rock bands. You too. You know, I could take or leave you too, because um, I don't hear enough of the words, and I'm hearing the music. So even I've been to the U2 concerts in more recent years in the last decade when they've come to Australia, and um, and I walk out of their sort of unfulfilled or I walk out of a Dylan concert or I walk out of a um, you know a lesser singer-songwriter a Tom Paxton sort of person and um, and I enjoy uh, I enjoy the trip that words give me more than music and that's you know, that's odd for a musical commentator yeah but also in terms of a writer there's a particular pentameter that you write in mm-hmm. which is what we adore people will know that by reading the books that it's not just the voice I've seen on TV it's actually the way you write and think I think yeah, I, no one writes my copy uh, in my stories, whether it was the old days of Four Corners and AM when I started um, 45 years ago. No one ever writes my And if, if I'm doing a collaborative piece with a 60 Minutes producer or Four Corners producer in the older days, um, I sit at the typewriter, um, or else I write um, longhand or, or on the computer these days, and, I, and we then toss words around and finish up with something. But I just find that which is why I've never gone to announcing um, that I can't read someone else's copy, that I don't speak like someone else. And uh, so I like to write, I tend to write in short, sharp sentences. I don't like long, convoluted um, sentences, and I don't speak like that. And uh, so I tend to, um, uh, and I, you know, and I, I can perhaps write for other people, um, but I write best for myself. And I think I write better for myself than anybody else writes for me. And uh, and so, we're, you know, there are lots, and that's, that's, may sound strange but it's not because most journalists I work with on 60 Minutes and other programs um, usually have producers who write the mm. stuff and they'll come back and play it a bit with but I mean that's what they like and that's what suits them but I like to I like to edit my own films and, and be with the editor and sit with the editor and uh, and write words to pictures that may necessarily not been there at the start and, uh, and the same as music I mean I just think to work with an editor who who knows how to use music um, and not word music oddly enough but music in a mm. story um, it is like good drama it'll lift a story from from 7 out of 10 to 8 out of 10 just by having the right music under something. Plug for the book. This is why people need the book because they will get an insight into the insight of how you actually do your interviews because there's a breakdown of how the interviews were happening yeah. and your thoughts on the interviews as well. Yeah, no, my son and daughter both uh, helped me transcribe or they transcribed the interviews when I out of four, <coughs> 10,000 interviews we had to go back and, and pick about I picked about 30 and uh, and Jenna, my daughter, did maybe uh, close to 200,000 words he transcribed and we culled that down to about 120 which is what it is now. In the course of that she found with a couple of the interviews that Question answer, question answer wasn't enough. That it was, um, it got you got the sentiments and you got the facts, but you didn't get the feel mm. and you didn't get the soul of it. And uh, and so she was saying, you know, what you need to do is maybe a running commentary, but like a sports commentary of how this, um, of, of, of what the person was like and what the uh, the meaning of the of the answer was. And <clears throat> so that's what I've done, rather than a Q and A, which is what Parky did, uh, Michael Parkinson mm. and Andrew Denton did uh, in their books. I just wanted to. Um, to to tell you what Madonna was like, and when Madonna cried, in fact, interview, she was such an alpha female, as I said. And yet, I asked her about one of the songs she'd written, some words about a mother, mm. and um, 
and she suddenly started to cry and um, and she was such a strong and it wasn't an act it was uh, that was the real thing and I said why, why are you crying and she said oh, well my mother is dead and I said with respect she died 25 years ago and she said yeah but she lives in a, a Buddhist way she lives with me and she showed me photographs she had around the house and as quickly as she started to cry um, she went back to being the alpha female again and um, and so it was um, it, it was you know, really interesting. There was nothing phony about it. That was just the real woman. So we've run out of time because uh, you've got another signing. But before you do, Ray, straight off the top of your head, what's on your iPod right now? What are you listening to? Maybe three or four tunes. Oh wow! Well, you know, I'm going to sound like a dinosaur, but uh, because <laughs> it, it is a mix. I've got some some um, I've got some Chopin on there, and uh, which I because I've been writing the book, and uh, but it would be you know. It would, it, it's Dylan or it's uh, even you know Joe Cocker again the, I just we had Joe Cocker in midday a lot and I it's the sort of music that could trans, transfers me someone else so so it would be something as old as that Ray we need to speak again one day about journalism but for now thank you very much for your time pleasure John good to talk